Hello everyone and welcome to 8Y Dyslexia Podcast, all things dyslexia. It's such a privilege to be here today to speak to an amazing person. I was really excited to find somebody who can explain what dyscalculia is. Today's topic is known as dyscalculia explained. There are many of us, I don't have any figures, Rob might have some figures for us. It is one of the conditions I have that I'm actually very embarrassed about most times. When I met Rob, I was like, whoa, somebody gets it. And he's doing amazing work at Emerson House, a West London school for special educational needs. Before we start, I'd like to say a big thank you to our funders, National Lottery Community Fund, the Social Enterprise Support Fund and Resident. We're so grateful for the funding that we get to be able to do podcasts like this, which can reach many homes. I'm sure I'm not the only one that gets frustrated with this. It can be very overwhelming. Now, my name's Elizabeth Tetchy. I'm the founder and the CEO of A2I Dyslexia. And today we're speaking to Rob Jennings, who is the co-founder of the Starculia Network, head of maths at Emerson School based in West London. Rob, welcome to A2I Dyslexia, all things dyslexia podcast. How are you? I, I'm great. And thank you for such a lovely introduction. Of course, because I haven't met many people, Rob, that I can speak about dyslexia except yourself and again, Pete, Jarrett. Yeah. So when we met at the Dyslexia show, I was like, wow, you know, at least there is someone else out there who's doing something about this because we even get people contacts and say, look, I don't have dyslexia. I've got the other one that I struggle with maths. Where do I go? And you're like, I don't really know where you go. Now I found you. I know where to send people. Yeah, I've come late to teaching in a way. I got into it maybe about 10 years ago, basically retained as a teacher, in the course of working in special needs, we identified that there's a huge gap in provision for maths. You know, as you said, uh, very few people are talking about it, very few people are knowing about it. So nearly two years ago, set up the Dyscalculia Network uh, with a, uh, three objectives, really. The first objective would be to promote awareness of the condition. Secondly, we want to promote training uh, for more assessors. And finally, we'd also like to, once someone's been diagnosed, then to have the specialist teachers available to be able to sort of help and put it right. And we'll talk about those things a little bit later. Wonderful. Now, in your biography, I mean, I'm not really going to read your biography to, or your bio rather than biography. I'm not going to really read your bio to our listeners, but it's a few words I picked out of there. And um, it was really great to kind of um, sort of share this with you. So that your main objective is to raise awareness of this condition. Now, this condition, dyscalculia, is it recognized as well as dyslexia is recognized? No, it's really the poor relation special education needs. You can define it as um, a specific and persistent difficulty in understanding numbers. But it lies at an end of a spectrum of mass difficulties. We believe that it affects around 5 to 7% of the whole population. And that's irrespective of sex, the level of education you had, uh, which part of the country you live. So it affects you know, that 5 to 7% of the population. But it's, it really is the poor relation because... Your research shows that you're 100 times more likely to get a, di- a dyslexia diagnosis than dyscalculia. It's 
despite the equal numbers of people with the condition. So it's really, really worrying because uh, low numeracy or dyscalculia really does impact on life's chances, education successes, income, and also mental health. Uh, if, we, if we think about it, maths is all around us. You know, we have money, clocks, timetables, you know, change from buying something, how we measure something. You know, it really is a life skill to be able to sort of handle numbers. One of our, uh, we have a number of uh, ambassadors and uh, I love listening to them, people with dyscalculia. They uh, tell you some wonderful stories, just like your bus story that you told me was before we came on air. One of our ambassadors was in a restaurant and she was given the, the card machine to be able to put a tip on there. Well, for her, the difference between 10%, 1%, and 100% meant nothing. So she pressed the button a couple of times, and then the owner of the restaurant came over and said, excuse me, madam, you're giving us a 1,000% tip for this oh, thing. Bless well, she was obviously not aware of what she was doing or the difference in the number value. And so she embarrassedly said, oh, took him to one side and whispered, could you make that 10%, please? And then oh, so that, that's one of the examples of what goes on. Yeah? Math is such a modular topic that we describe it to parents as teaching like a Jenga tower. And people with math difficulties are, have lots of the bricks taken out at the bottom and then someone's placing them on top because you're ever advancing, doing more and more difficult stuff the whole structure becomes really wobbly. And in our schools, what's in a way makes it worse is the intervention that's organised for the children are more of the same. So if you're having trouble with fractions, your class is doing fractions this week, then you'll be taken out and given more fractions. But what we're sort of trying to develop and trying to promote is you have to sort of peel right back to where that starts to go wrong. It's not about fractions. It might be about how to do division or how to do sort of sharing or grouping sort of to understand what, what goes on with that. So to peel right back to where things go wrong, it's got to be the key in that. Wow. Now, the example you gave, it's probably, I may have even added another zero, knowing me, <laughs> and thinking, is that £10 or is that what? And it can be very overwhelming. Job retention for adults, you know, 16 plus, if they have to deal with figures and how difficult that must be. Now, this is going to lead me on to my first question for this podcast. What is dyscalculia in a nutshell? It's the difficulty of understanding and relating numbers. And it could be as easy as understanding the relative size of numbers. Dyscalculia don't understand the difference between five and four. It has nothing, it has no kind of intrinsic meaning to them. Uh, they understand which one's bigger and which one's smaller. That relative size just doesn't exist. What, what we try and do when we're teaching that sort of concept is we uh, liken it to a dot patterns on a dice. So you can see five has five, you know, the five dots. And generally, people would play lots of dice games in their life. You're able to see that that's five more than it has four. So that's one of the things. Uh, Dyscalculics have trouble estimating. 
to provide uh, the inability to provide realistic and approximate answers. I mean, you talk to dyscalculic people and how many smarties do you think you get in a packet? I don't know, one million? (laughs) That's such a common answer. Um, How do we measure how long our fingers are? Meters? Kilometers? No idea. Uh, How much a car or house costs? Again, you could put any number in there. They wouldn't have an idea. So they're estimating is, is, is like not not existent in dyscalculic people. They also, in calculating things, there's a persistence of calculating in ones. So for example, given the task three plus four, they would probably count up one, two, three, four, and then five, six, seven. So there's no concept of anything else. That's their sole strategy. Uh, they have no other retained calculation strategies. You know, everything is counting in ones, either up or back, in terms of how they do stuff. The strategies which they could do, for example, five plus six, well, you could argue that they're almost doubles, near doubles. So you could say that I'll double five plus one makes 11. You know, they, they don't have those strategies. Or they might have them one day, and the next day they'll be gone. They can't retain them. There is also kind of a very weak reasoning and inability to see number relationships. So, for example, we all get to learn our number bonds for 10. So we know, or a lot of people will know that 3 plus 7 makes 10. It's one of the number bonds. But then 10 take away 3. They can't see that that will make 7 because that's kind of the inverse, the relationship on that. So this kind of understanding of numbers is really lacking. Um, Subitizing is also important. Subitizing is something, the inability to recognize small groups about counting. So it's it's similar to, in a way, to uh, estimating, where you're presented with a number of counters, and the automatic response will be to count them, perhaps using your fingers, to prove that you actually have four counts. That's an indication of uh, discount wow. feeling. Now, everything you described there, Rob, that's me. <laughs> so I don't even know where to put myself on a spectrum. So do you get um, students or people you've worked with in the past, on, is it on a spectrum? I mean, do you get people that really just cannot recognise that number to somebody that yeah. may just be doing okay? And, and how would you describe the extreme version of it? Well, the extreme version is, is like you suggest, few, um, they often flip numbers yeah. around. So you have 37 instead of 73. And so that's very common. But also how you write numbers, write and record numbers, uh, also is, has difficulties wow. with that. Do you know what? I'm sitting here thinking, why wasn't this picked up years ago? I mean, I failed my maths drastically my CSEs I'm giving my age age away here yeah. it's not it wasn't yeah. GCSEs it was CSEs Rob you're nodding your head because you know what I'm talking about isn't it <laughs> many years ago um and I kind of retook it failed it and I thought I'm never going to do this again and I never went back and th- the thought of looking at numeracy gives me butterflies in my belly and I get heart palpitations you've talked to maths about anyone and, and there's this kind of mass anxiety that sort of suddenly starts pervading out into into the ether sort of thing. You know, people don't like maths generally. 
And I think kind of that's a real problem because it's almost setting the bar really low. Oh, don't, I wish I had a pound for every time I heard this saying, uh, oh, don't worry about his math. I've always been bad at math. It's almost like an acceptance. Whereas we need to change that. We need to sort of say, what is doable? I think also um, the teaching, ways of teaching math has changed these days. And I think we need to sort of keep working on that because math is quite abstract. And so you need to work with a lot of concrete materials and games to prove that sort of what makes five. I have three counters and two counters, so that makes five. And if I take away two, that leaves three. In that whole playing around with counters and rods and stuff like that, it's really important and people really get it and retain it. Yeah. The amount of young people I've met with the work I do, I mean, I'm a teacher as well, not maths though, believe it or not. And the amount of people I've not met. Yet. No, 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 Robert, we're not going there. <laughs> I don't think I could, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I see numbers and my heart start sort of beating too fast. But um, I've met some young people and um, particularly, I remember when I went to give a talk um, a couple of years ago in a local college and there was a young lad who was in there and he wants to be an electrician. Now I'm right in saying you've got to get your maths to do that, haven't you? Yeah. He kept failing and failing and failing. He said, I'm never going to be an electrician, am I? Now that's very heartbreaking. We We, we can't get away from the three subjects that the government said we must have or education said we must have which is our maths english and science how do we get over that by promoting awareness of dyscalculia we're getting lots of adults coming to us and saying that's that's me you know i, I all of those sort of symptoms and things you're discussing is exactly me what can i do about so what we've done within the network is we've, we've formed a sort of if you like a breakaway group a subcommittee just looking specifically at adults Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of what we can do in terms of training we can do uh, in terms of help people and advice and we're just starting to sort of develop that but it's going that's going well but it, it's incredible how how many people it affects wonderful yeah there needs to be more of what you do to be honest with you and in fact there should be a rob in every school to support young children because, um, and not, ju not just even young children, I mean, there are adults that are in nursing or they want to retrain to become something that may really not be able to get their GCSE maths to be able to move on. And it can be really, really heartbreaking because it's that sort of stumbling block. You can't go forward with some jobs without getting yeah. that GCSE. It's quite a lot of jobs, nursing, uh, social care. So many uh, professions need that sort of basic qualification in maths. Yeah. I mean, where I was lucky is because I went into university as an adult with industry experience. Yeah. Um, you know, and when I hear the experts talking about how one can change their life around, it's just amazing. What we have is uh, like a, we accept specialist tutors and assessors. Uh, so we have about 40 assessors that are qualified and specialist to be able to teach uh, special needs maths. And that's growing all the time. The more we promote, the more. But there isn't that many people out there. You know, you'd be surprised. A lot of excellent dyslexia teachers and lots of excellent training centres for dyslexia. But there's very few that do a good job uh, for uh, specialist math. And that's what we're trying to change as well. So we, we're teaching, you know, individuals. Part of the plan, the next, next steps will be to develop more of that teacher training help people to help more people out there 
and especially for adults as well. You're doing such a great work, honestly, really. I just wanted Thank to say you. to um, you know anyone that's listening right now, if you really want to connect with Rob Jennings, we will share all his social media handles. You can connect with him. I think you are looking for ambassadors as well, aren't you, Rob? You know, you want people to yeah. become ambassadors yeah. in the work you do, which is absolutely fantastic. So if I can have a talk a bit about what, what we can do to help. Absolutely, yeah. Early intervention, the better. Obviously, with hindsight, it's difficult to sort of look back on what you should have done. So if you're out there and you have any of the indicators, get in touch with your Senko or someone that uh, can help you with this. Uh, so early intervention, the better. I think we need to stop this uh, acceptance that we are bad at math. Not, it's not a given. It just sets the bar low. We need to sort of be positive and see what we can do to get better because we can. We need to promote awareness of the condition rather than just sitting and suffering because there's lots of things you can do, especially for adults as well. Um, assessment is really important because that provides you with a background about how, what you can do uh, in terms of your maths help. As we said before, it's not necessary that you have dyscalculia. You might have be one of these uh, 25% of low or low attainment in math so not not very good at math and you can do so much with that but i think kind of what's really important for the dyscalculic uh, people we've talked to is it kind of validates the issues they're being faced it, it sort of puts a word to something that they've been suffering with or or struggling with for a long time but it also means they can connect with similar people you know people that are going through getting on the wrong bus because you misread to flip the numbers around. It's important that that's not seen as just your problem. It's a common problem with people that suffer from dyscalculia. And also it allows you to sort of, through the network, allows you to sort of connect with these people and share experiences. We'd love to hear from lots of people become, we have, you know, I think we have so many good people already, but we're looking for more people to share their stories with. And sort of say, oh, that's me, you know, and that brings people out and it allows them to discuss their issues and, and look up what they can do to get better. This is to any of our listeners. If you're interested, please do join or do contact Rob Jennings. His social media uh, channels will be um, posted in the caption of this um, podcast. You know, once you've listened to this podcast, share it with someone else that may be having these challenges. And perhaps, you know, they'll be able to get the help they need to be able to thrive. I think kind of the condition means that it produces a lot of mass anxiety, which means, which leads to people avoiding mass completely. You know, they refuse to do it or they, you know, I've got to sit, I'm sick, I can't do my maths exams, etc. So we just need to be more open about it and talk about our problems so that it doesn't become an issue where you're going to avoid, do everything possible to avoid it. I'd say, for example, in the classroom, we need to make adjustments for these individuals that struggle with math. You know, we break out, break down the lesson topics into smaller chunks. I think also we need to sort of concentrate on what they can do rather than what they can't do. If by doing stuff uh, at the beginning of a lesson that they can do, um, generate success and means that they're in increasing their confidence. It means that you're going to get more out of them because that confidence is such a crucial part in any topic, especially math. 
also recommend doing scaffolding. So with my pupils, I try to give them uh, a list of topics, headings that we're going to be attempting in the lesson. So if they do lose focus or they miss a bit, they know can get back quickly to where we are in the lesson. I always use lots of concrete materials so I can prove what I'm saying works. And they like using Lego bricks or whatever to build different constructs to do that. Multisensory techniques are really important for both dyslexia and dyscalculia to help people retain stuff. I think also to help at home as well is to do things little and often. You know, 10 minutes every day is so much more beneficial than a one-hour slog on Sunday night when you're trying to do all of your maths homework. And it just doesn't work like that. It's just going to turn people more and more off. Um, I think if, as a parent or a helper, work on stuff that's already been taught. It's really difficult to sort of try and talk, especially with techniques are always changing. You know, there's different ways of doing column addition and subtraction these days. Just extend what's been done so you can sort of work on revision and repetition. It's so important to do that to help things stick. I think also just talking with our pupils, with our kids about masses all around us. You know, what bus to get on correctly? How much change? If I'm going to get some money back, is that the right change? They're looking at measuring, estimating. You can make real kind of effort to sort of make maths all around us as kind of like a fun topic. Um, that positive fun attitude to maths is really important. It allows people to sort of dispel the anxiety. And one of the things that I think is really important for maths is maths game. There's lots of fantastic games out there that the pupils you're playing with don't even realise they're working. There's one game in particular called Shut the Box. And it's like all you have to do is throw two dice, add up the total, and then start shutting the numbers. And then, you know, it's just such a fun game. And, and all of my pupils are, get really competitive. So, oh, we're going to beat the teacher today. So I always kind of try and avoid winning where possible. What's the name of that game again, please, Rob? It's called Shut the Box. Shut the Box. Quite, yeah. I said when you close something. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you add up the numbers. And so if with two dice, if you've got a number five, then you might want to close five. But you can also decide, I might want to close four and one instead, because four and one makes five. So you kind of, and then you get shut as many numbers as you can. Right. And then you add up whatever's left. And then the other person does the same. And then you're trying to sort of get the lowest possible score. It's just a really simple game, but quite really effective. Wonderful. But, there's lots of uh, games ideas on, on our website, They're on the uh, blog posts. You know, we try to sort of uh, give free downloads for uh, pupils and teachers and, and also parents so they can play some of these games with, the, with their children. Yeah. Now, you, you, you're the company, the organisation, the Discalculia Network, you do Discalculia assessments, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. obviously, if people want to contact you, they can contact you direct, and you'll be able to yeah. do assessments for them. Yeah. Yeah. The um on the on the website, there's a kind of postcode finder that allows you to sort of put your postcode in and find uh, an assessor that's qualified, a specialist, or a tutor that's in your area, and uh, then you it gives them the contact details, so you'll be able to sort of find them and speak to them, and if they they feel right for you, I think that might be the best route. 
appalled. Wonderful. And you do these assessment remotely. So someone's in, I don't know, Leicester, Leicestershire. Yeah. They can. Yeah. Some are online, some are face to face. I think there's a balance. All of the people that are on the network are qualified and have the qualifications that you need to be able to do what we do. Fantastic. Rob, it's been absolutely amazing speaking to you. Um, it's just been great. Honestly, I can't put it in words. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like to say on behalf of myself and the Discount Feeder Network, a big thank you to you, Elizabeth. Wonderful. And to everyone at A2I, do a fantastic job with dyslexia. We just want you to sort of slightly change your logo and put dyscalculia underneath that dyslexia word as well. Absolutely. We'll be more than happy to do that, honestly. <laughs> we're more than happy to do that, Rob. It's been absolutely amazing speaking to you. Keep up the fantastic work that you're doing. I just hope that more schools, more colleges, can I say universities, education in general, will be able to tap into the services that you provide. It's, it's so vital. Thank you so much for the work you do and the team, Catherine and everybody else. And of course, just to say to our listeners, please, if you want to become an ambassador, do get in touch with this Kakuina network. Yeah, we would love that because it's important to get that information out there. Thank you again for coming on A2I Dyslexia, All Things Dyslexia. To our listeners, thank you so much for listening to our podcast whether you do them daily, weekly, or monthly, we're very grateful. Please do share the podcast with your network. We want to take this opportunity to thank our funders, the London Community Fund, Social Enterprise Fund, and Resonance. We also want to thank Yola, who's behind this podcast, who makes this possible. We often forget the people that bring it to life, and she does a fantastic work for making our podcast for people to listen to. And a great big massive thank you to Elia Onya Morris, for the research she does and the connection she puts everything together. I just want to say thank you to everybody. We'll see you next week, same time, same place, with a different topic. The Aspire to Inspire All Things Dyslexia podcast is funded by National Lottery Community Fund, Social Enterprise Support Fund, and Resonance Limited. It's presented by Elizabeth Tashi and produced and distributed by Salt and Pepper Productions.